1: Hello, everyone. I hope you're all doing really great. We are having a great time exploring our new city, and I'm trying to post our adventures on Instagram as much as possible, but I have definitely fallen behind on both of that and posting the tip cards for the podcasts. But being almost unpacked, I expect to get caught up soon, along with some of my new YouTube videos. Actually, they're not so new anymore. I've had them recorded for about a month now. I just haven't gotten them up. But I am up to over 400 followers on YouTube, so as soon as we get to 500, I will also add another free class onto the YouTube channel as well. Um, You can find me on YouTube by searching for Your Village. You can find me on Instagram as um, ironmom2020 if you wanna follow me there. Okay, so I have a great question today about a six-year-old dealing with some really big feelings, therefore some really big meltdowns, so I'm gonna talk about that and how to deal with that. Um, which also is the temperament pieces that go along with kids who really struggle with that. So I'm going to give a lot of tips for working with these, and then I'm going to continue to share what I had planned to get to in the last episode about working together and finding understanding and cohesion when ours and our children's temperaments fall on different ends of the spectrum for different traits. And this question actually is a perfect precursor to that discussion. They go hand in hand really nicely. So that worked out well this week. Jill wrote in and said, Hi, Erin. Firstly, we love your podcast and we were previously members as well. I'm hoping you can give us some guidance on issues we're having with our six and a half year old on her meltdowns. She will fall to pieces over the smallest and seemingly trivial things. Today, we built a snow dog on the hill next to our house. Sledged for a bit, And then she decided we should go home. She then started saying she was sad to leave her snow dog, which snowballed, no pun intended, into a full-blown meltdown, screaming that she missed her dog. I empathized with her and explained that building it was good fun. We have some lovely photos and we can build one again another time. But she kept screaming. She takes herself off to her room and cries. In the past, I've left her to it and she's screamed for nearly an hour. I've also gone in to speak to her after a short spell and she gets worse. She eventually calms down, but she doesn't seem to want to. It's almost like she's happier wailing than trying to stop. She's never been a very cuddly child and cuddles don't seem to do much for her when she's like this. I guess I'm wondering what's normal behavior, what steps to take when an episode begins, and they can be sudden and take me by surprise, so I can't preempt them. How to speak to her, how to help her calm down, what age we can expect this behavior to end. It happens daily, sometimes taking up to many hours of the day, and if there are any words of wisdom you can provide. We have tried getting her to do deep breathing, but she will only do this with her dad, who isn't always around. If I ask her to try and breathe with me, she just gets more angry. Likewise, if I ask her what I can do to help her or what it is that she wants, she says she doesn't know. Please help, we're at the end of our tether with this. Kind regards, Jill. Okay, so I am going to describe the temperament traits that I'm feeling are relevant in these situations. Then I'll talk about what each of those are and some tips for each of them. So first, I see high feelings aware. High in intensity, and you're like, no, really? You don't say. (laughs) Obviously, she's high in intensity and likely leaning towards a more realistic mood rather than the more naturally positive mindset. So the short answer is yes, this can be a very normal reaction for a person who has these traits at her age. I want to take a minute to talk about this particular situation and the positives that I see before I get into each of these three areas of temperament and some tips for working with them. So her ability to be sad and to go off by herself and work through it, she's actually really good, really good at this, it sounds like. So it's good or better just to let her be sad. You want to allow her to work through her feelings. It feels like a long time. It feels like a lot of time and it is, but it gives her the opportunity to practice working through them and she will get better with practice. And I do have a lot more tips here, so don't worry. It's hard for us as parents to let go of responsibility for our children's emotions, but we are not responsible for their emotions, but we are responsible to our kids to teach them better ways to handle their emotions, which I know is what you want to do. So I want to cover a couple things first, then get into the temperament traits and some tips for each. So first, I want to say and you'll we'll talk about this a little bit more in these temperament traits, but you're really going to work with her on her emotion skills. She needs a base for emotion skills. So we see this in kids when their reactions are really big, that's their social skills. So the social skills means that there's an underlying something missing in the foundation of the emotion skills, So she's not connecting with her emotions as well, understanding what they are, able to verbalize them and share them in a way that is what we might consider more age appropriate by the time she's six. Now, these temperament traits also are gonna play into this. I'm gonna cover this more, but you really wanna work on those emotion skills constantly throughout the day. When she's calm, you want to talk about emotions. You want to talk about what your emotions are, what you're feeling, when you're feeling them, when you see other people and other people's reactions, what their emotions might be. They're happy. They're surprised. They look scared. They look excited. Talk about other people's emotions, your own, hers, the good and the bad, the happy, the excited. You want to talk about all these emotions. You want to read books about emotions, So, you're really going to focus on those emotion skills. When you focus on these, when kids are calm, it is going to help them when they get to these periods of upset to handle them better. You're just building this foundation because when they're already upset, they're not going to learn those skills very well. It's like anything. You're trying to teach them how to brush their teeth properly, you're trying to teach them how to match an outfit. If they're upset, they're not gonna learn from you about how to match an outfit. They don't care about how to match an outfit. They don't care about how to brush their teeth properly, and they don't care about how to manage their emotions, even though it's related in that instance. They just are just in a place where they can't handle that and they can't learn anything. They're not gonna take anything in. So you wanna work on these on times of calm. Okay, so temperament traits, we'll get into each of these, what they are and the tips for them. Now, remember that these traits are a spectrum. From high end to low end, there's two ends of the spectrum. And so, when I talk about this in the temperament class, which is on the website, yourvillageonline.com, of course, when I talk about these, I talk about the two extreme ends and ways to deal with kids on either extreme ends of these. So I'm going to talk about this, the ends I'm seeing here, which is highly feelings aware. So you may have a child who's very low in feelings awareness, and that's a whole other thing to work on in a different way. But you have a child who's highly aware of their feelings. What this means is they can be very caring and sympathetic. That's a big positive. They can use words to tell how they feel. Once they're good with their feelings, they're going to be able to use their words, but they tend to act on their feelings rather than thinking things through until they get those skills developed. So this is what you're seeing. They may easily get their feelings hurt. Another thing you're seeing. So this is good for any child but just like I said, you're going to teach lots of feeling words. You're going to talk about it when they're calm. You also can play, um, the feelings game, which is, or the faces game, sorry, the faces game. Show me your angry face. Show me your frustrated face. Show me your disgruntled face. You can come up with a bunch of words. Show me your surprised face. Show me your hopeful face. Show me your joyful face, your excited face. Come up with a bunch of um, words, feeling words for that. Um, for people who are members on the website, there are handouts that um, that have a list of and, and different faces that go with them. Emojis that I have put with them that are probably 16, 20, 25, 24. I don't know. Faces and um, feelings words that you can use in the faces game. You want to encourage her to tell others how she's feeling. But you want to do this when she's calm. Work on this when she's calm or once she's calmed down, not when she's in the midst of it because she's not going to be able to do that in that time. Involve her in group activities like board games. This will help her get practice at group interaction where feelings can sometimes run high. So you're going to get some of this practice in there. And if you see her starting to work herself up, you can pull her back before she goes over the edge. So this is one of the things you can do to practice. So just playing board games because frustrations can run high with board games. I remember actually in our house, we played Sorry. Yeah, we played Sorry one time. And my oldest son, boy, did he struggle with that. He kept getting sent back. And uh, by the fourth or fifth time, he really kind of lost it. But it um, it was a good experience for him to get that practice and know that life can really throw you back sometimes. Okay. So playing these, practicing with group interactions, but there's structures and there's rules to the play. When you're watching TV, you could talk about how the characters might be feeling and whether or not those types of feelings or interactions are real or not. And just like I also said, you could talk about real real people in life that you see in and around town as you start to get out and go around town more, talking about their feelings when you see them, what they might be feeling. Okay, intensity is the level of emotional expression So an highly expressive child may yell or cry over small things. So this is exactly what you're talking about here. Yelling and crying over small things. They may have trouble taking turns or letting other children choose games. They can be good at talking you into things. You want to encourage her to join organized sports or activities that teach them self-discipline and control. So any kind of team sports. I know This isn't happening a lot right now, but it's starting to come back in. So this might be a good time to get back into that as things open up. So maybe some martial arts or any kind of team sport where they work together and can learn some great um, discipline, both physically and emotionally. Provide her with games that use dramatic expression. So charades, dramatic play, imaginative play, dress up, those types of things, puppets. Talk about how people show their feelings in different ways. Again, these are all while she's calm. Discuss how characters on TV show feelings in different ways. So kind of going back to discussing characters on TV, how they might be feeling. Also, you're talking about how they're showing feelings in different ways. Talk about appropriate and better ways of expressing feelings versus less appropriate ones. Okay, now I'm going to get into the three general moods and how to help a child with a more realistic mood. As well as learning ourselves about ourselves and our children's temperaments, how to bridge understanding, find cohesion in the differences, right after a word from our sponsors. These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQs, Daily Women's Microbiome Defense, to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code parenting for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code parenting at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com/slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now that we're back after the break, let's get into the realistic mood and bridging understanding and cohesion when we fall further apart in certain temperament characteristics on the spectrum of each trait. Okay, so to finish up Jill's question. I'm gonna start with realistic mood. So rather than a spectrum with two ends, there's three categories of general mood. There's happy, they're serious and there's realistic. So it's more like a triangle and they can fall anywhere between. They could fall in the middle. They could fall anywhere, um, you know, closer to one corner or the other. A child who has more of a realistic mood or tends towards more of a realistic mood in general might have trouble keeping friends. Now this is because if they can be, um, just very pessimistic or negative or, um, struggle with some of these emotions and, deal with them in less appropriate ways. They may have some trouble keeping friends. They may become easily sad or frustrated. They can be more realistic, what we sometimes label as negative about things, right? The sky is always falling type of attitude. Whatever's going on, the more negative thing is what they seem to notice. Most kids have this from time to time. Everybody has this. But this is more of a pervasive go-to reaction for kids who who tend more towards a realistic or a pessimistic mindset. They will tend to see the negative or what we might call realistic mindset or outcome in any situation. Now, um, just as an example, my younger son, just yesterday, I heard him, he got hacked on a game and he lost a lot of progress that he had made in this game, the things that he had amassed in this game. And I heard him talk, you know, he does not tend towards this realistic mindset. This was just one time he happened to. On occasion, he does get a little more realistic in his reaction to things. But he, I heard him talking to his brother about why me, why me, why did this happen to happen to me out of all the people? Why did it happen to me? Well, actually it happened to millions of people. There were millions of people in the game that got hacked and lost all of their progress on the game and had to get new logins and start all over. So he wasn't the only one, but he felt very isolated and very kind of chosen to get hacked in this instance. And um, and so he was really kind of concentrating on why himself, kind of woe is me attitude. If you see that a lot, you know, in almost every situation, that's the realistic mindset. Okay. So for children who have, who tend to have this mindset, you want to share family stories with happy endings. Talk about the time we did X and we went there and we saw this moose with huge antlers in the snow and it was so beautiful. Um, involve her in play groups and encourage friendships with many children Give some notice before outings to discourage negative reactions. Now I know you can't always see this coming, but as you get to know your child's reactions and their personality, you might start to see that. So let's say you're gonna go somewhere and she's expecting to see a particular animal at the zoo. And you wanna talk about, we're gonna go to the zoo, we're gonna look for these animals. We may not get to see them today, but let's just see what we're gonna get to see and let's talk about all the different animals that we might get to see today. And then talk about, you know, the positives about it and kind of um, make sure that you get in there. If You really wanted to see the koalas and the koalas weren't cooperating that day. Yeah, I know you really wanted to see the koalas, but how awesome was it to see the pandas today? You want to encourage your child to play games without complaining about fairness. You want to participate in activities together, and I know these lead to sometimes down to this path where you did do something really fun together, but you want to keep doing that and keep focusing on the positive just like you did, taking the picture of the snow dog like you did. You could potentially print out the picture of the snow dog and put it up in her room so she always has it there to look at anytime she wants and talk about how much fun you're going to have the next time you build a snow dog. So keep working on that. You're doing great with that. Um, Avoid television with sad themes and unhappy endings because this can tend to trigger those sad feelings, those sad feelings that come up easily for kids like this. Okay, so this question is a great segue into this topic. Let's talk about kids' brains development for a second in general and the struggle with managing emotions in general. We already know kids tend to be more emotional than adults just in general, because they don't have the logical brain to help them counteract the emotional reaction to things. So that they tend to be more emotional, they will become less emotional or less reactionary as they get older. So we just know that this is how they are and they will grow out of this to some degree. But we also have kids who are just more intense, highly feelings aware, and it's a whole new level of emotions with which we need to contend. So let's talk about ourselves We gotta learn to know ourselves. I actually had a parent who took the temperament class, and I love this. She created a spectrum, a line, and placed everyone in the family somewhere on that line. So she did all nine lines, color-coded each family member with their name, and placed them somewhere on that line of the spectrum of each trait so that she could see exactly who was more like whom in which areas and who was more different in which other areas, and it gave her a very eye-opening graphic representation of everyone in the family's personality, where they were similar and where they differed from each other. So as an adult, let's just say you're less intense. This is my ex-husband. Nothing ruffles his feathers. Really, almost nothing gets him bothered. He does sometimes, and then it's kind of surprising. Some of the little things will bother him, but for the most part, he is rarely bothered. Um, Big emotions are tough for him. So when the kids have big emotions, he has a really tough time with that. Now, don't get me wrong, this is an amazing quality and I've learned a lot from him. He just doesn't let things bother him most of the time. But he also doesn't understand it when other people do. So it's something he's learning how to deal with. So here's an example we had today. The dog happened to get the ball, the kid's brand new handball, off the counter And, of course, she's got these big, sharp claws, and within, I don't know, less than a minute, she had it popped. Well, my older son happened to see the ball popped, and he got so upset and yelled at his younger brother because he assumed his younger brother had done something, left it down, and that the dog had gotten it. But the truth is, they left it on the counter where she could get it instead of putting it away behind a closed door. They know she can get up on the counters, and she's just tall. She gets up there, she pulls it right off, and she played with it, and it popped And he went right to blaming his brother and yelled at his brother. And my ex got really upset with him for losing his emotions about the ball. Whereas for me, I was upset that he blamed his brother right off the bat rather than, you know, he made an assumption about his brother. I understand his feelings were very valid. He was looking forward to playing handball with his brother right after he finished doing his reading And then he couldn't do it. So his plans were kind of foiled for the day. And he was upset about that, understandably. So the emotions were okay for me. It was the way he blamed his brother that wasn't. For his dad, it was you're getting really upset about a $5 ball. But it wasn't the ball he was upset about, it was the plans that were had to be canceled for today that he was really looking forward to. So, And they haven't played handball in a very long time and they were getting excited about this. So that's kind of the areas where you can see where we all have our different reactions, our different emotions, our different experiences, and how we interplay off of each other. So knowing whatever it is, that you are less intense, as I'm using in this example. Also knowing which kids in your family, or your, if it's your partner, is more intense, and that they experience their emotions in maybe a deeper way or a bigger way, and that they're therefore likely to react bigger than you might, it's definitely a place to start. When you understand that, then you're like, okay, I know this is how they are. So then, you're gonna learn to allow the more intense person to have those feelings. It's okay to have those feelings. But then you need to work on a different reaction to those feelings. So, okay, I understand you have big feelings. Now I need to help them have a different reaction to those big feelings. You can allow the feelings, but know you're going to help them learn better ways of expressing the feelings. So the good thing about this is that the less intense person is coming from a place of more calm. They can help that person work through it from their place of calm because they're calm they can pull them down to calm. They can help the intense person or child when they're ready, when they're ready to listen, when they've calmed down a little bit and they've absorbed it, to learn to take things. Then they can talk about that lesson of, that was a really big reaction about a $5 ball. I understand you wanted to play, but how can we do that differently? So handling that in a different way, allowing big emotions, but talking about some ways to handle them differently. Okay, some other areas where parents and kids often find themselves on different ends of the spectrum is persistence. Persistence is the likelihood of sticking with a task through to completion, but this also means pushing for what you want. Highly persistent children can really test their parents' patience. A highly persistent child may have trouble taking no for an answer or stopping a task. They will stick with something until it is done it is often considered stubborn. They will call them stubborn, but we're going to call it persistence or perseverance because we want to focus on the positive of it. And usually these children do very well in school and are very independent in their classwork. So I am highly persistent or perseverant. And so I totally get this mindset. So when I'm dealing with a child, who is highly persistent. I can go to task with the best of them. When my daughter digs in and wants something, when my kids would do that get out of bed thing, a child who didn't stay in their bed didn't stand a chance with me. I could outlast the most perseverant child, walk them back to bed, walk them back to bed, walk them back to bed. I had no problem. I was like, I didn't have to say a thing, but I was like in my mind, like you're not winning this one, I'm in charge. Now, a child who doesn't finish a task but wants the positive consequence never going to fly with me. I could put down that boundary, walk away, ignore the attempts to argue with me into a power struggle. My daughter likes to do this, and I'm like, I'm not arguing with you. This is what we're doing. But for a parent who's low in persistence, this can be a nightmare. So understanding the perseverance and the persistence is first in line. So here are a few tips with that. Encourage flexibility and willingness to change activities when friends wanna do other things. You may hear your child dealing with a friend, and if they're super persistent and they wanna get their way, you're gonna hear them like trying to push for their way, push for the game they wanna play the way they wanna play it, and you wanna encourage them. You have a guest over, why don't you let your guest choose? Or you just chose, why don't you let your friend choose this time, why don't you um, choose a rule and she'll choose a rule for the game that you're making up. Help your child navigate this. You want to encourage family members not to give in to their wants all the time. Also, having a mantra where you can remind yourself of the positives of the trait when you're getting frustrated with the pushback. So something like, she's very strong and will go far in life. Right now, I need to teach her how to focus on this trait in other areas rather than bumping up against me. Or she will do well in many areas where I won't have to be on top of her all the time. So reminding yourself of this can be very helpful in those moments when you are getting very frustrated with the not taking no for an answer. So the first steps are knowing yourself in your personality traits. What are my personality traits? Where do I fall in each of these? What are the positives of my traits? What are the challenges with my traits? Where do my kids seem to be more like me or less like me? What are the positives of these differences for them? What things in life might go easier or better for them or less challenging where I had challenges? Just for instance, the perseverance or the highly active. If you're a more low in activity and your children have a ton of energy, it's a really positive trait, but it can be really hard when you're someone who's just a little more low key. If you wanna know more about all nine temperament traits, how to deal with each level of all nine traits, you can see the temperament class on the website or any of the 60 parenting classes in positive discipline, development, health, visit the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you later this week.